my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. How sweet it is to be able to say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. <laughs> it is a foretaste of what's coming. We have in the today a foretaste, a little, a little morsel, a, a little glimpse, a little, a little appetizer <laughs> of the feast to come in Jesus' presence, a little foretaste of glory divine. And that gets to be our story, that gets to be our song that we carry into this dark world with us, that we can bring spots of joy with us as we sing, that we get to praise our Savior all the day long. And so I am so overjoyed that we got to sing together. Thank you, Linnell, band, singers, everybody, sound team, y'all are amazing. Let's give it up for them again. As always, you make it so easy for us to just go into the presence of God, to just march into that throne room um, because Jesus has already won for us that space in the throne room. Amen? Um, Booth, could I just get the house lights up a little bit, please? Thank you so much. I, I like to be able to see you so I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> yeah, I like to know that you're right there, LeBrent. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I am Holly. I am the Director of Youth and Family Ministry here at Sanctuary Covenant Church, also known as Mosaic. It is such a privilege to be with you. Welcome here if you're a regular attender, if you are a member, if this is your very first time, if this is your fourth time, or if you're joining us online. We're so glad to have you here. Um, we are in a series called People of the Book, and this year that is our our guiding, our guiding theme, our guiding motif, that we as Sanctuary Covenant Church are people of the book. What book? The Bible. <laughs> um, that we have oriented our way of life, oriented our, our mission as a people around the mission of God, and we see that in the scriptures. And so join me as we, as we continue on in this series. Last week, Pastor Edren talked about how the Bible is a story. It is a book that tells us who God is and God's movement in the world, his action in this world. This story is told in four parts, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Sanctuary family, friends, the story begins with a God who created. It doesn't begin with us, as Pastor Edwin told us, and that's a good, good thing. Because the story does not start with our sin, but rather with God's love. The story starts with a God who created out of love. And when the story starts there, we know our truest identity. We are loved ones. We are loved ones created in love by love himself. <laughs> we are loved ones created by love himself. That is our identity. And so we begin the story at creation. In the beginning, God created. And then 
comes the fall. People decided they wanted their own way, decided that the presence of God in the place of God as the people of God was not enough, and wanted more. And at the core of it is an identity crisis. It wasn't enough just to be gods. They needed to be God themselves. It wasn't enough just to be love created by love himself in the presence of love himself but they wanted to be him. And then brokenness entered the world, and now this stain of sin is all over creation. There is not a thing in all the world that has not been affected by this choice. However, we begin with the creator who created out of love, and that same love compelled him to move, and that takes us to redemption. See, God has spent every moment since we messed up doing what is necessary to win us back to him. To take this gap that exists and to close it and to bring us back into relationship with him as it was meant to be and he was the only one who could do it. And so, by the will of the triune God, Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he bore all of my sin and my sorrow, and he made it his very own. He took my burden to Calvary, and he suffered and died alone, as the old hymn says. But he did not stay dead. You see, my God, my God rose again. He lives again. And that, that is the proof that our God is victorious over sin, death, and the grave, that those things no longer hold us, that this chasm that existed because of sin has no, no longer keeps us apart from God, but Jesus, by his own body broken and his own body raised, has bridged that gap, and we are invited back into relationship with him. This is the redemption story that we now live in. But our God didn't just raise from the dead. He didn't just stay walking around the earth. But what did he do? He ascended back into heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father as the great high priest who sat down because the work is complete. And now he prays for us. Our Jesus, who is alive, who ascended bodily into heaven, is sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Father, ever pleading for his people straight to God himself. And he sent his spirit to be with us until he returns. And on that day, that great day, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. And pain and tears and death and sin will be no more because the old order of things has passed away. His dwelling place will be with us and we will be his people in his place in his presence forever. And that is the restoration of all things. And that is the day we are going towards. As Pastor Edrin said, we have been saved, we have been redeemed, and we are being saved. We are being redeemed. And one day, we have the promise of a full restoration where creation will stop groaning and we will see what it was always meant to be. As C.S. Lewis calls it, that true Narnia. <laughs> Not just that image, not just the brokenness of it. 
All of the most beautiful things that we get to see in creation are but a glimpse, but a foretaste of the glory to come. This is the ark that we're invited into. This is the story of scripture. This story has a main actor. There's one person that this whole story is about, and it is my joy to get to share with you about who that is. When I was a kid in church, I grew up in the church. I'm a churchy kid. Um, feel free to like verse me in a sword drill or something. I would actually find that fun. I think that should be part of this series, PE. I, I've had that thought. Just Bible's up in the air, hold it by the spine, not by the front. Spine. Can't cheat, because this, too much access. <laughs> um, when I was a kid in church, I heard a story that has stuck with me ever since. If you've heard it before, um, hopefully you'll still give me a pity laugh. If not, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> but the story goes that it's lunchtime in, in a Christian school. And on this bright and sunny day, the kids are going to get a couple of treats. There are two treats available, a bowl of apples and a bowl of cookies. Okay? There's a sign in front of the, the bowl of apples, and it says, take only one, God is watching. Meant to strike probably a little bit of fear in these kids' hearts, God is watching, so only take one apple. Well, a young student goes through the lunch line, makes it to the end, and sees the treats that are awaiting him, and sees the sign in front of the apples. Curiously, he sees no sign in front of the cookies. Wanting to be helpful and seeing the sign in front of the apples, he decides to make his own sign. He leaves it in front of the cookies and continues on his way. Another student comes through the line and makes it to the treats. She looks at the apples and sees the sign that says, take only one, God is watching. So she takes only one. And then she looks at the sign in front of the cookies and helpfully, the kid has written, take as many as you like. God is watching the apples. <laughs> when I was 18, I got to do a Bible school program. And uh, it was an incredibly fundamental time in my faith. God taught me a lot there. And I also learned really quickly how to live in community because I was one of four roommates in my dorm I shared a room with three girls, and it was a lot of fun, a lot of mess. <laughs> um, but one night we were hanging out, and we were all in our respective beds doing our own things, and one of my housemates was texting somebody. And this is in the time where the iPhone is just starting to get popular. It's like 2010. We're using contractions in our, in our um, texting, like we're using acronyms. And she goes, hey, guys, what does IDK mean? Very quickly, I respond, I don't know. Unfortunately, what she heard was, I don't know what the answer is, rather than that I don't know means, or IDK means I don't know. So she replies, yeah, I don't know either. That's why I'm asking you. Of course, I had to then stop and say, no, I don't, IDK stands for I don't know. In both of these stories, it seems that people have missed the point. <laughs> They've missed the point of what's happening. The little kid, understanding that God maybe can watch more than two things at once. My friend, not understanding that I was trying to illuminate for her the meaning of this text message. They both missed the point. And I think 
The same thing happens sometimes when we come to the scriptures. We simply miss the point. We look at it as a love letter to us and we look for how God is talking to us directly. What's God got for me? And we just, you know, the random flip and, and hope that it'll be there. We look at it as a rule book and get frustrated when we see this list of do's and don'ts and feel constricted. We look at it maybe as an outdated piece of literature with very little bearing on today. However, throughout all the scriptures, we see a central figure. And that figure is Jesus. In this recap, when we started the sermon, uh, we talked about how the Bible is a story. Stories generally have characters, actors in the, to pull along the story, to pull along the plot. Uh, this story has a main character. And he is God the Son. His name is Jesus. And he is the point of the scriptures. It all points to him. And as my friend Tyler Burns says, if you miss the point, you miss the purpose. So if you would, we're going to read John 1, 1 to 18. And if you could pull that up in book or app form, in the Bible, on the internet, however you're going to get your Bible. And if you would stand with me as you are looking for that, and I will read God's word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which, which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the, only, of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the, only, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Living God, would you illuminate your word today? Would you make clear to us how you, Jesus, are the point of the story, how you are the central figure? Would we see you in these scriptures? Would we see you and be excited to see you more and more every day? And would we understand our purpose as we understand the point of the story? 
Lord, speak to hearts. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Bring life. Breathe life into weary bones. Strengthen those who are feeling weak. Continue to embolden those who feel bold. Bring comfort to the brokenhearted. You promise to be with those who are crushed in spirit. Be the joy of the joyful. Be the rejoicing of those who rejoice. Lord Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. May that be all of our prayers today. And may the words that go out forth here, may they do what you want them to do, Lord. Anything that is not of you, Lord, snatch it from my mouth, blow it away like chaff, may it not stick. And that which is of you, may it land on hearts, take root and grow. Because, Lord, you are the one who brings the growth. We trust you for that work, and it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Our passage today gets us started on this journey of understanding that Jesus is more than just a New Testament figure. If we are to understand the Bible correctly, then we must see Jesus from the very beginning. And if we're to see Jesus from the very beginning, we must recognize Jesus as God. John 1, 1 to 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... God. Exactly. He was the God in the he was with God in the beginning. And then verse 14 tells us that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And this tells us a few things. It tells us first that Jesus is the word. You see, John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, made his, his dwelling among us. He lived among us. He came to us. He is God with us. And who became flesh and came to be with us, came to be God with us, but Jesus. And in this case, word isn't just something that's uttered or said. We might understand the word word to mean things that things that are said, that have meaning by saying. But in this case, the word logos that we're given means more than just something you hear, but rather something that is revealed. It is a revelation. Jesus is the revelation of God the Father. In Colossians 1.15, we are told that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. When we look at Jesus and see how he lived his life, we know the character of God the Father. And how can this be unless Jesus himself is God? John 1.1 proves it. He was with God and he was God. Now clearly, stay with me here, Jesus is not only God, but he's a different person of the Trinity than God the Father. Now, why am I pointing this out? Well, it says that Jesus was with God and he was God. There's a witness, he's in community with God, and yet he himself is still God. Can you see it here? 
Jesus wasn't just born when he came to earth, but because he is God, he has always been. If the Bible is the story of God, his character and his movement, his action in the world, then for Jesus to be the center of it all makes sense. Family, Jesus is God himself, and so this is his story. In the Old Testament, the people of God await the arrival of the Messiah who would save them. And in the New Testament, the world begins to hear of the Messiah who came to save them. And in whichever direction you go, this story is about Jesus. In fact, we can see Jesus at creation, as John 1.3 tells us. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. There is nothing in this world that was made outside of Jesus himself. From the moment our world was formed, God was acting in community. In Genesis 1-2, we hear that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In Genesis 1-26, God says, let us make man in our image. And in John 1-3, we're told that all things were made through Jesus. The Spirit hovering over the waters. God the Father saying, let us create man in our image and Jesus the Son, by whom all things were created. From the beginning, we have a God who is working in community as the triune God. The fullness of God was working together to create the world. The character of this God who creates is revealed in Jesus Christ. This triune God who was together at creation reveals his character in the person of Jesus Christ. The love that was evident in creation, the love that gave Adam a helper fit for him because it wasn't good for him to be alone, and a beautiful garden for them to dwell in, in the presence of God himself, that love is revealed to us in Jesus. But that's not the only place we see Jesus in the Old Testament. We're going to keep journeying, and it's going to be a fast flyover. (laughs) But we know that Jesus is prophesied over and over again in the Old Testament. We hear these, these prophecies that would point us to a Jesus who's coming. Scholars believe, actually, that he fulfilled, I should say, over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament. Some say up to 400. That's a lot. (laughs) For one person to come and fulfill all those things, but of course, he was spoken of. One only need to point to any of those places to point to how, Jesus, how the Old Testament points to Jesus. But there are many instances where we see a character named the Angel of the Lord. And this Angel of the Lord meets people in interesting places. In one place, he speaks to a woman named Hagar in the desert. And you think it's just a regular angel encounter, you know, because the Bible's full of those. Until it says that Hagar gave a name to the Lord who spoke to her. That angel suddenly is not just an angel. That angel is God. And she gave him the name, the God who sees me. That is how she responds to this angel. 
in Exodus when Moses is at the burning bush or the bush of flame because it never burns, he sees the angel of the Lord in the bush who speaks to him and tells Moses that he is on holy ground so he must take off his sandals and that this is the appearance of the God of his forefathers. Again, this angel of the Lord is God appearing. We see this angel appear to Abraham when he is about to sacrifice Isaac. We see this angel appear in Jacob's dream. This same angel appears and commissions Joshua to battle. This angel keeps showing up in the Old Testament. Family scholars believe that this angel is Jesus before he came in human form. This Jesus that has always been working as God throughout the Old Testament shows up in significant moments in time as the God who spoke to his people. Isn't it fitting that he's called the word? Again, Jesus shows us who he is, who God is. In the bush, he is the God who sends Moses to free his people, God the liberator. In the desert with Hagar, he is the God who sees the outcast, the God who doesn't forget. He is the God of the oppressed. On the mountain with Abraham, he is the provider of a sacrifice in place of Isaac. He is God our savior. You see, Jesus has been on the move in the Bible since the literal beginning of time, and we haven't even made it to the New Testament yet. Once we make it to the New Testament, we tend to focus on this part. We can see Jesus a little clearer here. It takes a little less work to dig into it. We hear his story. For hundreds of years, the people of God waited for their Messiah. They waited and waited and waited for so many years for this king who would come and free them from the oppressive rule of Rome. They expected that he would come bearing a sword that he would come as their, as their conquering king. And he came, but it looked a little bit different. John 1.18 says that no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. You see, this was the mission of Jesus. He made God known to us. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus displayed the character of God in all that he did. When he healed, he showed us that God is a healer. When he beckoned the children to come to him, he showed us God's love of children and called for us to be like them. When he multiplied the loaves and fish, he showed us that God is a provider. When he brought the marginalized in, he reminds us that he is the God who sees us. And when Jesus willingly went to the cross, he showed us how to be obedient to God's will, just as he was. Though Jesus was 100% God, he chose to submit himself to death because this was his mission. Show us how far God would go to redeem this world that he created out of love. And he would go as far as his own death. He who was without sin, dying for those of us marred by sin, that we would not have to pay the price for it. 
And when Jesus rose again, he showed us that our God is victorious over sin and death. The powers and the principalities of this dark world have no power over him because he is victorious. Jesus walked this earth and he showed us that life lived in the will of God is possible. He did it already for us. And it is still possible for us today because Jesus went to the cross to make it possible. He gave us life that we might have his power live in us. And after he ascended back into heaven, he sent his spirit to empower us to live as he did, to God's glory. This Jesus who, showed us God, who has shown us who God is, has called us into that same life of showing this world who God is. He invites us into this mission that he has been given. He invites us to carry on this, this mission of getting to show a despairing world who our hope is. We are being made like Jesus every single day, which means we have the opportunity to display God to this world. We love because he first loved us. We live as living sacrifices because he first sacrificed for us. And we live out of this new life because Jesus rose again first. Pastor Edrin told us last week that we are invited into this story of God. And family, Jesus himself invites us. He invites us into this work of redemption by redeeming us, and then he invites us to display his love to this hurting world. Who better to invite us into the story than the main protagonist of this story. You see, Jesus is the whole point of the story. The whole of scripture points to him. And if you miss the point, you miss the purpose. Don't miss the point and therefore your purpose, sanctuary family. Don't miss Jesus in every part of the story. Because in Genesis, Jesus is the word of God creating the heavens and the earth. He is the promised seed of the woman that will crush the serpent. In Exodus, Jesus is the Passover lamb whose blood protects his people. In Leviticus, Jesus is the high priest and representative of the tabernacle. In Numbers, Jesus was lifted up on a pole like the bronze serpent for the healing of many. In Deuteronomy, Jesus is the prophet greater than Moses. In Joshua, Jesus is the commander of the army of the Lord, leading his people into the promised land. And in Judges, Jesus appears as the angel of the Lord. In Ruth, Jesus is the kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, Jesus is the anointed shepherd king who slays the giant. In 1st and 2nd Kings, Jesus is the righteous king. And in 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Jesus is the faithful restorer of the kingdom. I wonder, do you know him? In Ezra, Jesus is the faithful restorer of the kingdom. Oh, in 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Jesus is the faithful restorer of the kingdom. In Ezra, Jesus is the faithful restorer of the temple. In Nehemiah, Jesus is the redeeming re rebuilder of the walls. In Esther, Jesus is the sovereign protector of his people. In Job, Jesus is the living redeemer and our true comforter. 
And in Psalms, Jesus is the good shepherd who hears our cries. In Proverbs, Jesus is wisdom personified. And in, in Ecclesiastes, Jesus is the meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, Jesus is the loving bridegroom wooing his bride back. In Isaiah, Jesus is the promised Messiah, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. He is the suffering servant wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. In Jeremiah, Jesus was the branch that sprang up from the line of David. In Lamentations, Jesus is the weeping prophet. And in Ezekiel, Jesus is the river of life bringing healing to the nations. In Daniel, Jesus is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. And in Hosea, Jesus is the ever faithful husband pursuing his unfaithful bride. In Joel, Jesus will be the name that people could call on for salvation and the one who will pour out his spirit on his people. And in Amos, Jesus is the burden bearer and the true restoration. In Obadiah, Jesus is the judge of all the earth and he is mighty to save. In Jonah, Jesus is the salvation of all lands and the prophet cast out in the storm who spent three days in the depths for our sake. In Micah, Jesus is the promised Messiah born in Bethlehem. And in Nahum, Jesus is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, Jesus is the reason for our rejoicing and our strength even when the fields are empty. And in Zephaniah, Jesus is the preserver and restorer of his remnant and kingdom. In Haggai, Jesus is the one whose arrival will shake the nations. And in Zechariah, Jesus is the cleansing fountain and the pierced sun whom every eye on earth will one day behold. In Malachi, Jesus is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. He is the refiner's fire. In Matthew, Jesus is the king of the Jews. In Mark, Jesus is the servant king. And in Luke, Jesus is the son of man. In John, Jesus is the son of God, the word made flesh who dwells among us and the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Acts, Jesus is the risen Lord, sending us to the ends of the earth. In Romans, Jesus is our justification and the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, Jesus is Christ crucified, the only one that we proclaim. And in 2 Corinthians, Jesus is our triumph, sanctifying the church. In Galatians, Jesus is the liberation that sets us free for freedom's sake. And in Ephesians, Jesus is the head of the church who gives us God's armor to walk out into the battle. In Philippians, Jesus is our joy and the provider of all of our needs. And in Colossians, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation and the head of the church. In 1 Thessalonians, Jesus is coming again with a trumpet and a shout. And in 2 Thessalonians, Jesus is the one whose return we await. In 1 Timothy, Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And in 2 Timothy, Jesus is the seed of David, raised from the dead and our salvation. In Titus, Jesus is our blessed hope and our faithful pastor. In Philemon, Jesus is our redeemer, restoring us to effective service. In Hebrews, Jesus is our Sabbath rest, high priest and the author and finisher of our faith. 
In James, Jesus is the one who is at work in our faith and action. And in 1 Peter, Jesus is the living stone, the chief cornerstone whom the builders rejected. In 2 Peter, Jesus is the faithful, long-suffering Lord, not willing that any should perish, but offering salvation to all. In 1 John, Jesus is love and the true eternal God. In 2 John, Jesus is the truth by which we walk in love. In 3 John, Jesus is all that is good. And in Jude, Jesus is the one who keeps us from stumbling and presents us blameless with great joy. And in Revelation, hallelujah, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Family, the Bible is the grand story of Jesus and all God has done to redeem you back to him. It is all he is doing and all he will do one day. The promise is yours. Your purpose has been made known in this story and you are invited into a role in it. Amen and amen. Come soon, Lord Jesus.
there will be people up front here to pray with you. If you're just wanting to pray with someone, if you want to bring a need before the Lord and want to do so in community, there will be people ready to pray with you who are so willing to bring those needs before the Lord on your behalf. Something I was thinking about as we were singing together and singing that this is our story, this is our song, is that this has been the story of the saints throughout the ages. That we are joining in a story that has been ongoing since since the last word of the Bible was written, this story has been ongoing and it still continues on and will continue on to the day, until the day that Jesus comes back. And so to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, 